are listening to First Inhuman, where we interview industry leaders and investors to learn about their journey to inhuman clinical trials. Presented by Vile, a tech-enabled CRO. Hosted by Simon Burns, CEO and co-founder, with episodes launching weekly on Tuesdays. Featuring special guest host Rich McCormick, Executive Vice President of Clinical Strategy. For episode 35, we sit down with Simon Allen, CEO of Anebulo Pharmaceuticals. Find out how Anebulo is addressing the unmet need for treatment of acute cannabinoid intoxication and other substance use disorders with their innovative novel therapeutics. Hi, I'm Rich McCormick, the Executive Vice President of Clinical Strategy here at Bile. Today, I have the pleasure of welcoming Simon Allen, the CEO of Anebulo Pharmaceuticals, to our First in Human podcast. Welcome, Simon. Yeah, thanks very much, Rich. Awesome. Why don't we start with a little bit about your background and what led you to becoming the CEO of Anebulo? Well, I'm Australian. I started my career back at Sydney University undergrad, uh, genetics and biochemistry. My first job was actually to DNA fingerprint yeast before moving to California and chasing biotech, which I've basically done since the uh, early 90s. I joined Gilead Sciences, worked uh, in the lab on their antiviral programs before doing an MBA and working in the capital markets, both on the banking side and analyst side. But really what I've enjoyed over the last couple of decades is what I call cell-side biotech business development which basically leads me now, leadership, and others to Anebulo. Awesome. Thank you. So Anebulo is focused on developing disruptive treatments for substance abuse disorders. What inspired you to pursue this area of research? This is really a very focused area of research. In fact, it's, it's more clinical. As I'll get into, we're a phase two. We don't do any primary research at Anebulo. It's a single product to treat acute cannabinoid intoxication or too much cannabis. We'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. So essentially, the focus is very narrow. And that was my intrigue because I've worked at quite a few biotechs and they all have different opportunities. This one, to me, is extremely exciting and focused. Great. So your small molecule compound, 001, is used to treat, as you mentioned, cannabinoid intoxication. Can you explain a little bit of the science behind that? So acute cannabinoid intoxication, which is actually a condition under the DSM-5, the psychiatric Bible, if you will, is nothing more, in my opinion, as having too much cannabis or THC cannabinoids on board, which can be inadvertent or advertent. It happens a number of different ways. And we have a small molecule, ANEB001 or 001, if you want to call it that. And it does one thing and one thing only, and that is it blocks the CB1 receptor. And the CB1 receptor is essentially the way that cannabinoids apply their psychotropic effects. Unfortunately, if there's too many cannabinoids, the CB1 receptor, if it's overloaded, shall we say, can put you into acute cannabinoid intoxication. And so our drug, 001, is designed to reverse very rapidly the key symptoms of ACI. Interesting. So is there a specific time window where your treatment has to be aligned with a patient in need? Yeah. A lot of people think of Narcan, which I think is an appropriate setting. There's some differences here. And most people may not be aware, but Narcan is now destined to go what's called over the counter. 
in the sense that you can pick it up at your Walgreens and CVS. In fact, some countries have made it available in their bars and other areas where they think those opioid overdoses might occur. I digress. It's a very rapid, that's a nasal formulation. Right now, we're developing an oral formulation, but we also have what's called a parenteral program, which is a fancy word for an injectable, which would give doctors in the emergency department setting not only the oral route of administration, which is our current path, but also what we consider to be a very rapid parenteral. And even in the future, yeah, potentially nasal, we're not as developed as Narcan. Narcan's been around to treat opioid overdoses for some time, so we are definitely behind that curve. But we have all of those routes of administration available to us. So how does your Nebulo team approach the hot topics of patient advocacy, community outreach? And then also, like, do you feel that it's more critical with addiction treatment than other diseases or disorders in terms of patient advocacy? We do monitor the advocacy and community as best we can. I mean, we're a relatively small company. But the good news here is that we can focus it exactly on what we need to, which is really the key opinion leaders and those people dealing with it at the emergency department setting, which are the hospital administrators, the emergency doctor departments, and the healthcare system overall. And so, yeah, we've gone rather deep in our market research. Some of that's available In fact, all of the pertinent stuff really is available in our non-confidential deck that's available on our website. And there's just a lot of other data and information, which we keep proprietary just because we'd like to think we're the first ones doing this. And yet it's quite encouraging, I would say, in that this is a growing social issue. These edible gummies now are coming out extremely high potency and treating these at the emergency department setting, we think is a key unmet medical need. Do you see increased cases in states where there is legalized marijuana? There's a lot of different things you can find on the internet and a lot of different studies that you can point to. But I think one of the common circumstances within the industry is that as you make these products more potent, cheaper, and the prices of these has come down substantially, even with the tax burden, and they become more accessible and even more disguisable in the sense that what we had 10 years ago or 15 years ago, it certainly when I was growing up at university, these products were maybe 15%, maybe 20%. They're all 90 plus now. I shouldn't say all of them. The ones that cause problems in the emergency department are typically or can be these high potency edibles. So the game has changed. And yes, to answer your question, maybe that's a long-winded way of saying there's not much argument that as you deregulate decriminalize, legalize, and put dispensaries around every corner, we would even submit that some packages of edibles get lost and might get ingested by canines that have uh, an order of magnitude greater CB1 receptors in their brains that we do and are quite susceptible to ACI. I'm not saying that that's a big opportunity, but I think it's sort of a canary in the coal mine, if you will, as to what this really could do society-wise for us. But we're just focused right now on the emergency department. Don't get me wrong. We don't think we can do everything to everything with regards to the cannabis industry. No. All we do is treat what we believe is a serious condition as people present with too many cannabinoids in the emergency department setting. Is your team looking into any other uses or for substance abuse other than what you're currently exploring with 001? We've always got that on the radar. And I think there are other opportunities. And people even talk about using cannabinoids 
just even regular Delta 9 THC as a therapy for pain management or appetite, whatever. And I applaud them and I say, have at it. But that's not really what we focus on. We're removed from that. As I just mentioned, all we really do is focus on the emergency department setting, acute cannabinoid intoxication. But we do have our eyes very much set on what a CB1 antagonist does, which is our molecule, 001, is a very strong CB1 antagonist. And that can have other applications, I should mention. And yes, we do have our radar focused on that. But for now, there's no reason. In biotech, you talk about risk. And risk is sometimes defined as taking on too much than you can really handle. We think we can handle this and just do quite nicely with the team that we have in place. What do you think the future of cannabinoid-based therapies, what do you foresee as the future for these types of treatments? What's been going on for decades, the cannabinoid system, CB1, CB2, and other receptors associated with that system have been relatively well studied for things other than ACI, clearly. And I think there's therapies to be found. As to our expertise or particular understanding of that, well, it's deep, but as I said, we remain focused on ACI. And if there are other opportunities, I'm pretty sure we'll be the first ones to maybe figure that one out. What advice do you have for industry leaders you know, in the biotech space that are working to develop new treatments for challenging diseases and conditions? That's a very broad question. And I think hopefully most people would agree that team is everything. And obviously the underlying asset is important. And the market opportunity, intellectual property, I'd always go to that. CMC manufacturing. I mean, there are a number of areas, but that's almost like saying to an architect, you know, what keeps a building, you know, sturdy. There's multiple things that you could talk about. For me, I would say the mechanism of action for ANEB001 is one of the cleanest and strongest I've ever had the fortune of representing. The question is, how can we apply it for the treatment of ACI? That's the fundamental question. And we hope to answer that in our phase two, which we recently completed parts A and B. ANEB001 has one of the cleanest MOAs. I've discussed that before. And our next important step is to meet with FDA, which we've given guidance to mid-year this year. So coming up, where we'll be able to discuss the data of our phase two, as well as what we call an observational trial, which I think is fascinating. This is where we go to emergency departments not talking about 001 or any potential therapy, just looking for individuals that present with ACI. And then you can't get somebody to consent that's intoxicated. That's not really legal or ethical, certainly in the United States, I would hope. But after the fact, as you probably know, hospitals take a blood draw almost routinely for these circumstances. We can go back and when they're not intoxicated, say, hey, look, you know, we're doing an antidote here, a potential therapy do you mind anonymously, we don't need your name and you know plaster that around, could we take a look at your blood and see how much THC you had? Look at the biomarkers, if you will, of ACI in actual patients. And that can be used, we think, very effectively in a modeling circumstance, which we work with FDA, to look at healthy normals. And that's how we test our drug, which I think is a fascinating area to look into. How do you test for something that's lethal? THC is not lethal. Don't get me wrong. But to ethically push somebody to an intoxicated state is not where doctors are typically comfortable, nor should they. And the IRBs of clinical trials are very, very sensitive to this, as they should be. 
And so we've had to start with fairly low doses of THC in healthy normals to essentially get them high to the point where intoxication may or may not occur. And to me, this is uncharted territory. But when I hear from the clinical trial site that an individual was unable to get off the sofa to complete one of the tests that we do every hour for eight hours, I'm thinking that person may or may not be intoxicated. Yes, I think that person may be. And so I think we pushed it to areas now where clinically it's relevant from a modeling perspective. And we hope to align that with our observational study and have a discussion with FDA, which we await to have mid-year this year. That's great. Simon, this was really insightful. Thank you so much for your time today. It was really interesting to hear about what your company is doing. And we wish you nothing but the best of luck. And we'll be watching and rooting for you. Fantastic, Rich. Look forward to it. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Apple, Spotify, and Google 